technical things in there that were hard to comprehend at the speed I was going. So I promised I'll slow down today, okay? And, uh, but at the same time, I just wanted to give you a brief recap about some of the, the, very, the very highest points of what I was driving at through God's Word last week. And I started out saying that something supernatural is happening, happening to us right now. And what I was referring to at that time is that God's supernatural power in His Holy Spirit works in us, okay? He works in us to renew our minds. And I said that the conscience isn't the Holy Spirit. They're two separate things, but the, but the Holy Spirit is always informing or speaking to us, right? Through His Word, through our life experiences, right? Through His creation, it's a very, very mysterious thing, but it's certainly true. The, the, uh, the, the God's Spirit allows us to see his wisdom in his word. He even reveals to us that the, that the crucifixion and the resurrection uh, is necessary for our salvation. And sometimes for people who are not saved, they just don't get that. But we have the mind of Christ. We see the world in a whole new light, right? Our minds are being transformed so that we can think and feel and act like Jesus, right? So that's, that's the message last week in a nutshell, and I hope that helps you in some way. But I dare say that um, having the mind of Christ, if we don't have the mind of Christ, that we're not having the love of God, right? If we don't have the mind of Christ... I dare say we're not having the love of God. Because um, although God's love is manifested in a way that's manifold, meaning it is expressed in many ways, one of the most powerful ways that we could experience God's love is found in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So if you would turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 14 and go through 17. Okay, very short piece of Scripture here. Extremely profound and powerful. And I will read that. Romans chapter 8, starting at 14. All those led by God's Spirit are God's Son. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him. All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. What a powerful statement. And what it says to me and what it may be saying to you is that having the love of God is about belonging. Having the love of God is about belonging. If someone came up to you and said, who are you? Uh, you would probably uh, answer by giving your first name. You'd say, oh, my name is Gary, or, or my name is Dave, or, or my name is Hope, or whatever, right? Who are you? Well, I'm Frank. And um, that would be a, a legitimate answer. I mean, that, that's what you're called by. But when you identify yourself by your name, 
I assume that no one uh, salutes you or showers you with gifts or curses the ground you walk on, because I mean, that would be bad. That, that would be very, very bad. And there was a movie when, um, I forget what it is, but whenever the, the guy's name was mentioned, the townspeople would go, and spit on the ground. And that is a bad sign. And oftentimes, uh, a name is just a tag or a label, and it's attached to you and me, right? It's really, it really doesn't describe the inner you or the inner me, or it doesn't tell us who we are. Uh, it tells us that this face has a name, right? But back in the day when Paul wrote his letter to the churches in Rome, identifying yourself by your name was a much bigger deal. Remember, Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us. And Simon was renamed Petra, or Peter, right? The rock. And in Scripture, a name often indicates a person's purpose, their authority, their ethnicity, or their character. In fact, a person's name back then was frequently seen as an equivalent of that person. And sometimes a title is attached to a name which designates a certain level of importance. For example, Jesus, son of Joseph, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Titles add weight to someone's reputation. It speaks to their character or it points out a person's place of origin. And as some of you know that I work as an educator um, with kids who are either homeless or, or incarcerated. In fact, next Monday and Tuesday, I'll be at the jail <clears throat> teaching kids that are in middle school and high school who have committed crimes and are locked up. Um, but many of these kids are abandoned by their parents or they're orphaned. And many of them live in foster homes under less than ideal conditions, but they all have names. And some lack a sense of belonging because their birth parents are either absent from their lives or they're gone, right? And there's a traumatic effect on kids who've been separated from their parents. It leaves them feeling rejected and devalued and depressed. And um, they begin to question where they come from. You see, they have a name, but they're left wondering who they are and who they belong to. And we educators have such a godly opportunity to impact their lives in a positive way, to see Christ in us. And praise God, there's two believers where I work, teaching these kids. You know, I read an, interest story, an interesting story about um, how sheep relate to each other, about um, after a, a mother sheep dies and leaves behind her surviving lamb. Without the protection and nourishment of a mother, an orphan lamb will, will die. I mean, it's just that quick. If you try to introduce the lamb to another mother, the, the new mother will butt it away. She won't realize the lamb's scent, and it won't know the baby is not one of her own. So the lamb is rejected by the flock or the community of sheep, if you want to put it that way. But our God does not toss away his little ones. He wants, us to, he wants to claim us as sons and daughters. He wants to give us a name with meaning and purpose. You see, but our sin problem gets in the way. 
We smell bad. We smell like sin. And I mean humanity. It's cursed with it. But there's hope. The Bible tells us that those who come to a saving faith in Christ are new creations who have a new identity and a new standing in God. We've been rescued from the sin and we are put in God's grace through faith in the atoning work of His Son. So now we are no longer orphans or abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. We are washed clean and we have this sweet, sweet aroma of Christ. So any born believer can boldly state his name and his title, or her name and her title, I am Frank, I am a son of God, I am hope, I am a daughter of God, I am Vivian, I am a daughter of the God Most High. So you see, when Paul tells us that all those are led by God's Spirit or God's sons, we have the love of God. Since I'm a son of God, I belong to God. My heavenly Father protects me from evil, counsels me in wisdom, knows the inner me, cares for me, died for me, lives for me, loves me, renews me, and claims me as his very own. And having the love of God is about belonging to him. We no longer starve for affection. His full attention is on us. And there's power in a name when you're a child of God. There's power in that. And when we move to verse 15 in this short little section, we see the love and mercy of God as he relates to his children. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Having the love of God is about trusting our Heavenly Father because we are family. If you are saved in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, we are family. Every one of us here. Now Paul tells us that we don't receive a spirit of slavery based in fear when we are adopted by our Heavenly Father. We are not slaves, but a free people in Christ who are released from spiritual bondage. We are, we are adopted into the family of God. We lose our fear of dying, and we gain God's grace and peace. And so the doctor who is kidnapped, bound, tied, blindfolded, run around God's creation for three hours in the back of a military truck, can stand before 120 men armed to the teeth and look at them and say, God loves you. I don't know if I would have the courage to do that. I would pray that the Holy Spirit would put me under conviction and take me there, though. You know, from an earthly perspective at the time Paul wrote his letter to the Romans, there was a distinct difference between the master-slave relationship and the, and the father-daughter and the, and the father-son relationship. The master was not obligated to treat his slave with an attitude of loving kindness, patience, and forgiveness like he would his rightful children. Nobody would expect that, really. 
The expectation for the slave was to perform his chores diligently and without question. And if the slave messed up, the master of the house would issue the appropriate correction or punishment. The slave was utterly dependent upon the mercy of the master who could release the slave from his service at any time, leaving him poor and homeless. On the other hand, a good father assures his children of his undying love for them. No matter how badly they mess up in life, a good father disciplines, forgives, and reassures his kids that they are an important part of the family. You see, some of us once viewed God as a harsh and demanding taskmaster. We were afraid of him and not in a good way. Perhaps we dealt with this fear by rejecting God altogether, wanting no part of someone who is so intolerant and so punishing. We might have used our unbelief in the existence of God to trick ourselves into believing that there is no ultimate judge, no judgment for whatever we do wrong in this life. So we remain strangers to God, even enemies, to be, only to become slaves to our sinful desires. We became captives of Satan and remain separated from God in fear. Now, others of us might have thought that we have to appease God in all that we do, but the end result is the same, slavery. We thought that the way to God's heart was by following his rules and, and regulations to the letter of the law. We never really experienced the love of a father who is understanding and forgiving, a father who cherishes his sons and daughters. We never really trusted that God will lift us up, dust us off, kiss us on the cheek, and say, I love you always. I love you always. And every time we fail to live up to God's expectations, it only proved that we were not God. And even worse, it proved that we are sinners who could never perfectly obey God's law or live Christ's perfect life. It's hard to love when we're always expecting to receive the back of God's hand when we fail to please him. And in this way, we become slaves to a religious code, always cowering before an angry, unloving God. Have you been there? That's slavery. And Satan loves it. <clears throat> so let's go back to the sheep story for a minute. I left you hanging there a little bit. The orphan lamb was rejected by the flock. But here's the rest of the story. What I learned is that sometimes an orphan lamb will be running around in the field in what looks like an extra fleece tied onto its back. There are little holes in the fleece for its four legs and usually a hole for its head. But now what you would be seeing is an orphan lamb dressed up in a kind of robe or overcoat after the shepherd skins a dead lamb and makes it into a fleece covering the orphan lamb. Some of you may see where I'm going with this. Then he takes the orphan lamb to the mother whose baby just died. Now when she sniffs the orphan lamb, she smells her own lamb. 
Instead of butting the, the lamb away, she accepts it as one of her own. That in itself is a beautiful story. But listen to this. We don't have to fear God that he will push us away. He will accept us as one of his own and as part of his family. But what makes us acceptable to the Father is the righteousness of his Son. And this righteousness is not something that we earn, but it is a gift from God. Christ accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection what we could never do. The Lamb of God lived a sinless life, took the blame, shame, and penalty for our sins through his crucifixion, even though he never sinned, and then defeated sin and death through his bodily resurrection. And he did all of this so that he would glorify his Father and that we could inherit what is rightfully his. God, in his amazing grace, gives us a chance to come to his saving faith by believing the gospel message, trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it is at that moment in our faith that the Father clothes us in the robe of the Lamb. And this fleece is as white as snow. The robe is the righteousness of God's Son. The robe of righteousness that we now wear indicates that we have been adopted into the family of God. We belong Sin no longer blocks the way to a close family relationship with our heavenly Father. Now we can cry out with him, to him, without fear, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. There is no religion on the face of the planet that can embrace their God. But we can Now, having a love of God is about trusting our Heavenly Father because we are family. The children of God are a cherished possession, near and dear to the Father's heart. He will never forsake us or abandon us. And His perfect love for us drives out any fear that we might be left behind. We should not be afraid to die with a fearful expectation of rejection and eternal condemnation. We should look forward to the day without a doubt that we will be embracing our Father in heaven. So Paul tells us in two short verses that having the love of God is about belonging and having the love of God is about trusting our heavenly Father because we are family. We belong. But wait, there's more. Paul tells us not to take his words for granted. No, no, no. In verses 16 and 17, he writes, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him. So you see, the Holy Spirit testifies or speaks to our renewed minds. Because having the love of God is knowing that our salvation is is secure. Having the love of God is knowing that our salvation is secure. When we join the Holy Spirit in proclaiming that we are sons of God, then the spiritual reality of our salvation becomes real to us. It means that we fully believe with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength that Christ lived a sinless life 
suffered an atoning death for our sins and was resurrected to overcome our sin problem. God the Father glorified his Son by raising him from the dead and seating him at the Father's right hand. Galatians 1.1 opens with that spiritual fact. See, the glorification of Jesus' body at the resurrection is the same inheritance that we will receive upon our death, our bodily resurrection when that time comes. We receive the same resurrection. Are you ready for that? Are you resting in that? Are you counting on that? Amen. Amen. You see, the intimate relationship we have with our God is so moving and beautiful. Jesus said, if you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. John 14. So if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then we know the heart of our Heavenly Father. And our Father in Heaven lovingly preserves our eternal inheritance. It is the same inheritance that Jesus received, for we are co-heirs with Christ. We have the promise of eternity with God. In John 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. We will never perish because our heavenly brother and our heavenly father are of the same mind. God is one. God is love. Though we suffer for a little while on this earth, having the love of God is knowing that our salvation is secure in our family relationship with God. Jesus built the bridge of salvation, the Holy Spirit walks us across it, and our Heavenly Father welcomes His children into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Which brings us to our burning bush moment. No flames, right? Darn it. Look good on my other PowerPoint. Burning bush moment. God's love is intensely personal. God's love is intensely personal. Think about this for a moment. The most perfect, most powerful, all-sustaining, all-knowing, ever-present, infinitely compassionate God, ruling over all the universe that he created, loves you and me. Whoa! Remember when Pastor Thad said, that's mega! That is so mega. He loves us so completely and so intimately, so relentlessly, that he calls us to be sons and daughters. See, the dirty little lambs, once alienated from our Creator because of sin, are washed clean and brought near by the Spirit of God to a loving Father. And this kind of love is so amazing that it could only bring us to the question that the psalmist asked so, so long ago, Lord, what is man that you care about him, the son of man that you think of him? So now that we know 
that the love of God is so intensely personal. What do we do with it? I mean, that's the question. We hide it in our hearts, and Jesus said, did Jesus say, put, put your light under a, a basket and keep it to yourself? No, he didn't say that at all, did he? Well, here's some practical things we can do, knowing who we are <clears throat> in the Father and the Christ and the Spirit. How about we do this? How about we offer God our praises and love of thanksgiving <clears throat> during, our, during our prayer and worship times? Okay? Pastor Aaron has been honed in, focused on prayer because, you know, we know that is the connection to God, right? So we practice it here during worship. We have a, a fresh encounter, a first Wednesday of the month. But we need to do this at home as well, don't we? In fact, we need to do this wherever we are. So how about praying the scriptures? Wow, you want material for prayer? You're running out of words and thoughts and ideas. You think it's road, it's over and over and over again. How about we go to scripture? Let's look at Romans 8, starting at verse 34. Oh, listen to this. This is so awesome. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. But even more than that, he has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God. Here it comes. Are you ready? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than victorious through him. We're sons and daughters. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Paul says nothing, and when he says nothing, he means no thing. Nothing. How about praying that? Oh, Lord God, thank you for your love. And nothing can separate it. Nothing can separate it from me. Nothing can separate it from my children. Nothing can separate it from our church. Nothing can separate it from my family who knows you. Our God is one. How about this? How about we sing uh, praises to God through song? Have you ever wake, woken up in the morning? And you know it's just going to be a bad day. I mean, you know it. <laughs> I woke up with a really bad attitude. I didn't get enough sleep. I've been under a spiritual attack for the last two weeks. And i got to go to work. And it's just going gonna, gonna to be bad. It's going to be a bad day. But I've done this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. That's an attitude changer. 
Lord speaks to us in, in song through his saints. How about this? Here's a novel idea. How about we share the adoption story with our own kids? Right? Our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews. You know, you know, grandparents have this special kind of status too. Right? We get to spoil our grandkids and they're oh so happy to come over. Oh, I get to have chocolate milk. And you know, we get to we spoil because we give them the things that their parents won't give them. It's it's really scandalous. <laughs> but it's so it's so cool. <laughs> Gimme, gimme, gimme. Okay, here you go. <laughs> but how about we share the adoption story? So if, if I, I put these scriptures in order uh, from John 1.12 all the way to Revelation 21.4. Okay, I, I'm going to read it to you. All right? You're going to have to, do, you're gonna have to prep them a little bit, right? About our sin problem, about how Jesus came to help us with that and overcome it, right? And then you can say this. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Look at how great the Father has given us. Look at the love. Look at how the great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will no longer exist because the previous things have passed away. God loves you, sweetie, and so do I. Isn't that cool how God strings that all together for us in his word? We are truly new creations when we're in Christ. Sons and daughters of our heavenly father. How about this? Third and finally, we're winding down in our time. How about we get involved in somebody's life who doesn't know Jesus? How about we adopt a friend? How about we... um, we build a trusting relationship, and in time, we identify ourselves as Christians, as a son of God or a daughter of God. How about we share the gospel? Because this brings glory to God the Father and the Son, which is an expression of our love for what God has done for us and what he's doing for us. It is finished. And now we need to befriend somebody and share with them the good news. I would love to be bound and tied and gagged and blindfolded and dragged in front of somebody and said, now preach the gospel to them. <laughs> That's one way to do it. You talk about a gift from God. And mercy, mercy, mercy. He lived through it. So with that, are you, feeling, are you feeling a little bit energized this morning? Do you feel like you're loved? Because you are. Can you rest at night knowing that if the day comes when, we're, when we have to pass away, we're, we're secure. We're secure in our salvation. We're, we're part of God's family. We belong. Right? Sometimes, sometimes we have to inform our faces that we're saved. Right? 
<laughs> yeah. Amen. And that's it. That's what the Spirit laid in my heart this week. I hope it helped you in some way. So let's pray, shall we? Father God, thank you so much, Lord, that, that we are truly sons and daughters in your family, secured in your salvation through your Son and the ministering of the Spirit to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for a renewed mind so that we can accept what you've done in us as truth, Lord, that we could experience it. Lord, we thank you for new eyes to see the wisdom in your word and how deep, how very deep your love is for us. It's unbreakable, it's unchangeable, it's immovable, it is infinite, it is secure, it is, it is everything that we cannot do as human beings to love another person. Lord, we barely hang on and love you the way we ought to, but you will never let us go. You'll never let us go. And we thank you for that, Lord. We're running the race. We're trying to run a good race, Lord. But you promise us that even if we cannot run the race and persevere, we're getting tired. We're getting close to the finish line. We're reaching out for the tape. You pick us up and you carry us over. Because our faith will do that, won't it? And his mercy and grace will do that, won't it? So thank you, Lord, for... Everything that you've done for us in this way, adopted as sons and daughters in Christ. All God's people said, Amen.